and are, are long, so I invite you to sit. <laughs> this is the entire chapter, uh, chapter 9 of the Gospel according to John. And actually the reading would continue till the first 21 chapters of 10, but the appointed lesson starts, uh, stops at, at 9. So listen to this story that you know. There are about nine sermons that could be, pre- that could be, uh, it could be preached on, on this one chapter. We'll only do one today. <laughs> but perhaps you can, as you listen to this reading, you understand where it's uh, uh, addressing you in your life now. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went away and washed. When he returned, he could see. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him when he was a beggar said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. And others said, No, it's someone who looks like him. But the man said, Yes, it's me. So they asked him, How are you now able to see? He answered, The man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes, and said, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. They asked, Where is this man? He replied, I don't know. Then they led the man who had been born blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus made the mud and smeared it on the man's eyes on a Sabbath day. So Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. The man told them, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some Pharisees said, this man isn't from God because he breaks the Sabbath law. Others said, how can a sinner do miraculous signs like these? So they were divided. Some of the Pharisees questioned the man who had been born blind again. What do you have to say about him since he healed your eyes? He replied, he is a prophet. The Jewish leaders didn't believe the man had been blind and received his sight until they called for his parents. The Jewish leaders asked them, is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can he now see? His parents answered, we know he is our son. We know he was born blind. 
but we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who healed his eyes. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jewish authorities. This is because the Jewish authorities had already decided that whoever confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he's old enough, ask him. Therefore they called a second time for the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. Here's what I do know. I was blind and now I see. They questioned him. What did he do to you? How did he heal your eyes? He replied, I already told you and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They insulted him. You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man is from. The man answered, this is incredible. You don't know where he is from, yet he healed my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who is devout and does God's will. No one has ever heard of a healing of the eyes of someone born blind. If, if this man wasn't from God, he, he couldn't do this. They responded, you were born completely in sin. How is it that you dare to teach us? Then they expelled him. Jesus heard they had expelled the man born blind. And finding him, Jesus said, do you believe the human one? Other translations say the son of man. He answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, I have come into the world to exercise judgment so that those who don't see can see, and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard what he said and asked, surely we aren't blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Won't you pray with me? God, every time we read your scriptures, they, they address us again in a new way where we are. And so we ponder your word. And as we do, we seek your blessing upon us that we might understand 
what you would have us know in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, some of you may understand that lately I've been thinking again about retirement. As someone in his mid-70s, I'm being teased by the possibility for, what is it, the third or fourth time? That it may happen. And yet, I realize again how hard it is to let something go when you've poured your heart and soul into a ministry. Some of you have already experienced retire, and one of you has experiences, is experiencing this transition this, this week or this month. Will I be able to stop working? I ask some of you who have been through this. Well, Jesus spoke to me through this reading again. That's the gift of regularly reading the scriptures. They speak to you where you are. But this time Jesus said to me, while it is daytime, you must do the works of him who sent me. So if my purpose is to work until I am tired, maybe it's time to rest. However, if my life purpose is to witness to Jesus, to bring people closer to God, then, well, I've got a lot of life left in me. I may not be serving at church in the same way, but I will be witnessing to my faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I've been blessed with a long life and good genes. So retirement for me will be a change of scenery, but not a change in life purpose. Jesus was still witnessing on the cross. The woman, I remember, was still witnessing on her deathbed. I can't think of anything else that would motivate me to wake up in the morning. Yeah, there's so many jigsaw puzzles we can do. So why does witnessing consume me? It's because, in my experience, believing in the word and the way of Jesus makes a profound difference to a believer. Jesus said he came as judgment. But this is not the same judgment as the law keepers for whom sin is the same as breaking the law. We see that again in this chapter. The disciples assumed the man was born blind, who was born blind, or his parents must have sinned. And the Pharisees judged Jesus to be sinful because he broke the Sabbath law when he made mud to heal the man. And they also expelled the man from the synagogue because he told them the truth about how he was healed and gave credit to Jesus in calling him a prophet. Because the Pharisees rejected the truth and expelled the man and called Jesus a sinner, Jesus calls them blind, even though their eyes can see. They consider themselves seeing, and those who disagree with them, sinners. Yet because they fail to believe Jesus, despite having been exposed to the truth he teaches and the miracles he performs, Jesus calls them blind and having sinned. 
well, the significance for us and for the church is apparent to me. There are those whose reading of the Bible is no deeper than the English words printed on the page. And so, by certain selections of those words, they reject, exclude, hate, and even behave violently against those who don't conform to their limited understanding of God. Seeing spiritually through the eyes of Christ as the Creator sees us, and seeing that everyone who believes Jesus is saved makes a radical difference in the way we see and relate to each other. It changes us and our relationships. In contrast with the judgment of the world, the judgment of Christ actually frees us from judgment. See, I had students who could tell their loving friends their truth, but they could not tell their parents whose judgment they feared. When we love the creation and its creatures, we expand our self-understanding, our relationships, and we give God the glory. I believe seeing spiritually like Christ changes us, often physically as well as is this reality behind Jesus saying the man's blindness happened so God could be given the glory. God's work might be displayed in him. We know what extended hate, desire for revenge to can do to a person, their, their relationships. Even in minor cases within their own family. Yes, even in my own family. We know how hurt and trauma can drive one to commit personal physical harm. We know how judgment on the basis of one's conception of right and wrong can divide a church, a community, a nation, and a world. I know a person who was so distraught by her disability that she denied herself the great ability that she has and distanced herself from other people. And on the other hand, I know a person who has accepted her disability and, and, and lives faithfully and productively as a witness to Christ Jesus. One denies that God or anyone could love her, and the other has allowed that love to motivate and nurture her. Why wouldn't we want to continue witnessing, even in retirement? to this gate of salvation, forgiveness, and renewal that has awesome potential to change people's lives. Well, this is what happened to the man healed by Jesus before he was a beggar. Now, he is a witness to the truth of transformation, giving credence to Jesus' claim that his disability made an opportunity to give God glory Salvation changed his life, both spiritually and physically in this case, in real time, not after he died. Note that for this gospel writer, salvation is not what happens after one dies. And it's not about Jesus' crucifixion. Instead, salvation is about the freedom that comes from believing in Jesus in his word and the way that brings people close to God. 
So don't wait. Don't wait to believe it yourself. Don't wait to tell others about it. The way that way of Jesus leads to life and peace. We are offered that way, the way of loving God and neighbor all the time in every way, even when you even when you have to forgive someone 70 times 7 for actions they have taken, even when it is a foreigner or a child or a man, a woman married five times, a person who is poor or, or, or disabled or imprisoned. This salvation is not only personal, though it will really change you. It is salvation for the community and world as well, and that's why we must work. When people love God and their neighbor, peace and justice are more likely to reign. Making more laws designed to exclude, restrict, and punish others is represented in this story by the Pharisees. There's a whole movement in the United States these days of restrictive lawmaking intended to control other people that I expect Jesus would condemn as unloving, uncaring, and thus sinful. Often we speak of sin in the plural, meaning that we sin every time we break the law or tell a lie. In this understanding, there are big sins and small sins. But in this story, Jesus, the lawbreaker by the Pharisees' judgment, wants us to understand that sin is something different. Sin is actively rejecting the invitation Jesus extends to be loved and loving. Sin in this way is singular. We're talking about those who have seen the miracles Jesus performed, who were among the 5,000 who ate, who saw the man born blind now seeing, and who heard Jesus' teachings. But despite all this, they reject Jesus and call him demonic. This knowledgeable and intentional rejection is sin. We're not talking about those who don't know Jesus. He says, because you say you can see, you are in sin. To me, this means that the knowledgeable uh, rejection of Jesus is the key factor. Someone who, who didn't know the difference that living in the Spirit can make may be ignorant, but not sinful. If one has seen evidence that continually growing in love and forgiveness can be transformative and rejects it anyway, Jesus calls that living in sin. Well, this brings me to Brother Jesus. Upon hearing that the man he healed was insulted by the religious leaders and excluded from the synagogue. And don't think this is just about Jews. Consider our own churches. Jesus reached out to that man 
This man's eyes were open physically. But because of criticism of the religious leaders, he was open to a conversation with Jesus about belief, open to being welcomed in Jesus' love. Is, is there a clue for us as a church in this? Might it not be those who are being excluded with highly, by highly vocal social and religious institutions today who are most ready, perhaps, to see the truthfulness of God's love in and through the invitation of Jesus Christ and the welcoming community of a faithful church? So I ask you to think of three individuals you know who may have been hurt by religion and pray for them. We still have room in this sanctuary for others to join us. And there must be those you know who have been excluded, hurt, and judged. Pray for an opportunity to talk with them. Perhaps invite them for coffee or, or a meal. And if it is in your, in your heart, invite them to, to our community here. And pray for our community to welcome them, love them, and care for them. Yes, it is tempting to want to rest. But it is still daytime. And I've experienced the love and the call in the address of Jesus Christ. I pray you have too. Amen.